Good morning. It's good to see you guys. Hope you've had a great week. Thanks for choosing to worship with us. We want to welcome Mobile, Foley, everybody online. Thanks for being part of our weekend experience. And you know, uh, I really, it's just amazing. We're in the middle of a series on grace, and then we see in every service this weekend the demonstrations of that, of how many people have found Christ and turning their lives around. I think it's just awesome. I, I really think that there could be a, a, a service in the near future where uh, you know, there's no preaching. It's just all water baptisms, you know? Okay. Uh, I, I like that idea. Yeah. I've said this before. You don't need another sermon. Well, boy, to see people who are making, you know, outward demonstrations of what's taking place inward. It's just incredible to me. It just really excites me. I'm so proud of all these people. So many young people, too, so that's really good. Listen, uh, the last two weekends I've given you an update on our project at Malva's, the project in Mobile. Uh, next weekend I'll update you on, on Honduras and things are going on there. But let me, let me just kind of give you a little update on China. Um, we, uh, you know, we have to be careful what we say and different things, but we have an incredible group there. We have a, a representative there. And, uh, we've been doing this for almost two years now, and we've moved out of a house and into a mall, and it's really exciting what's taking place. Uh, it's, it's, it's located, uh, I, I can't tell you where it's located, and so uh, you have to be careful what you say, but uh, the first Sunday there, four or five people were saved, uh, and, and it's just it's growing, and it's just really exciting what's taking place. So keep China in your prayers. We'll give you more about that the first year, what's going on there, a little more detail. Let me also encourage you on Merry Christmas Gulf Coast. You know, we're moving this before Thanksgiving because of these two building projects at Mobile Malbus. Because doing all that in the middle of December would just be too much for us. So I know it may be a little hard to get in the Christmas groove, but uh, I think you can do it. And, I, you know, I, I, if every family bought a bike for every member of the house, uh, we, we would more than take care of the 3,000 bikes. This year, we're all going to build them in one location, so you get to meet people from other campuses, and we're going to distribute them uh, at the Mobile campus. We're going to distribute in Foley, where we've been the last couple years, and then we're going to the Eastern Shore Center for the Malvis campus. So uh, it's going to be a great, great weekend. Encourage you to do that. If you're a business owner or if you work for a business, encourage those guys, you know, would they like to buy some bikes, and let's, let's get this taken care of. You can make that commitment. You don't have to pay for them until Christmas, but anyway... I really want us to enjoy uh, this giveaway uh, and being part of it. Someone asked me, well, can my kids come and help build bikes? Yes, they can. And, uh, you know, we, we want your kids, uh, you know, if they're babies, just put them in the pack and hold them. But, you know, but if, they're, if they can do something with, you know, let them help. We, we, it's just a family deal. So we want you to be part of that. Okay. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew 5 and James 1. Matthew 5 and James 1. We're in the fifth part of a series called The Grace of God. Um, let me recap the first message. If you missed any of these, you can go online and pick them up. I encourage you to do it because they, they're interlocking, okay? Uh, if you're under grace, you're not under the law. Then you've been released from the law if you're a believer. So you're married to Christ. And, and I talked about the law just a little bit. So you know, then what is the purpose for the law? Paul asked the question, well, is the law bad? And he answers, he said, of course not. It's for our good. So for believers, I, I, I titled this message, What's Law Got to Do With It? And there's only a few old people in this service. 
All the old people laugh. The young people say, what's so funny about that? And so you told your age because you know the song. Anyway, so uh, here's what happened. Jesus steps on the earth in the form of human flesh, full of grace and truth. He comes to a people, the Jewish people, who know nothing but the law. The only way for them to know God and to keep God happy is to keep the law. And so he steps down and he starts teaching and demonstrating things that greatly offend them. So I'm going to start this message out from something he said on the Sermon on the Mount. This is not his first sermon. This is his starting his third year of ministry. So he's got two years of ministry behind him. And here, so, so he's done a lot of things. He's said a lot of things. They've seen miracles. Uh, some of the things he said are controversial. So, you know, there, there's a lot of questions in their mind. You know, for example, like uh, the, the woman who was caught in adultery, they brought Jesus and said, okay, we caught her in adultery. You know, the law says to do this, but what do you say? What does grace say? So this Sermon on the Mount, he's, some of this is he's, he's trying to teach people the difference. He's wanting them to understand law versus grace. So he says, you know, the law says this and grace says that, and the law says this and grace says that. Grace is representing him. He says that grace always goes farther than the law. The righteousness of grace exceeds the righteousness of the law. So when you teach on grace, it doesn't mean any less righteousness than the law. It actually means more righteousness than the law. The Bible says that the letter or the, the, the letter of the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. Jesus steps up to preach the Sermon on the Mount around the Sea of Galilee. And so he's going to talk about the law. I think he's answering some criticisms that he's received or he's heard about from some of his teachings. So in verse 17, he's talking to these people, several thousand people, and he says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law until all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Here's what he just said. The law has not passed away. The law is not bad. I didn't come to abolish the law. And he says if anyone breaks the law or if anyone teaches others to break these law, doesn't say they go to hell. He says they, they're least in the kingdom of heaven. Now, we are saved by grace, so we need to understand the law and what is it good for? And so here's, here's what I want to look at. What is the purpose for the law? What is the purpose of the law? So I'm going to show you four purposes of the law. Here's the first one. The law is a master. Galatians 3.24 says, Therefore the law was a tutor to bring us to Christ that we may be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor. The King James Version uses the word schoolmaster. Now, here, here's what that means. It, let's just say you were 20 years old when you became a believer in Christ. So for 20 years, there has been a, the law has been a, a schoolmaster teaching you and telling you, you can't, you can't live up to it. You, you, you can't get it right. You're not perfect. You've messed up. You, you tried. You messed up. You failed. You're a bad person. So until you come to a place that you actually will say, hey, I, I'm tired of this. I need a redeemer. I, I need a redeemer. Here's my illustration of a schoolmaster. I can remember, I'm going to tell my age here too. I, I remember one teacher I had in the eighth grade. Uh, she was an old maid. I'll tell you why she was an old maid in a minute. 
uh, she was about four foot two. And uh, she walked her up and down the aisles of the desk with a ruler in her hand. And she would ask, it was history, she'd ask a question, and if you didn't know it, she would pop you on the shoulder. And if you were brave enough to talk in the class, she'd come and get your hand and bend it and just wear your hand down. I had one person come to me and said, oh, I had a teacher do that too, but she would bend your wrist so bad that the wrist pain was worse than the paddle pain. You know, it's like, okay, so I didn't get the worst, but I had one, a school mat. So the reason she didn't get married because everybody's afraid of her. You know, who, what guy's going to marry her and beat you up with a paddle? I mean, a ruler. Okay, but in the same school, there was another teacher, Mr. Davis, and he was incredible. Everybody loved him. He, he, the way he taught and explained things, and he would come kneel at your desk and explain things. Everybody in there is making A's. So here's what I wanted to do as an eighth grader. I, I wanted to transfer. That's salvation. That's salvation. You get to transfer from the schoolmaster to a wonderful, compassionate, loving Savior who will kneel beside you while you're trying to do life and help you do life. That's salvation in the simplistic form of how I see it. So why would you ever want to relate to the law again when you don't have to relate to a schoolmaster list and do's and don'ts, but relate to a personal Savior? I believe God gave the law to frustrate people. Have you ever read the law? Well, you probably have read the Ten Commandments. Did you know there's 640 other laws? I mean, the Ten Commandments are easy compared to the 640. I'll show you. Some of you are breaking the law right now. Did you, I don't know if you know it or not. Do you know that one of the things in the law says that you, you, you could not blend your clothing, your, your natural fibers had to stay all natural, all cotton, all wool, you, you could not blend them. So anybody here wearing blending fibers or polyesters, you're breaking the law. Yeah. Do you know that it, the law, you couldn't eat anything from an animal with a split hoof? No, the entire South could never keep this law. <laughs> that means no ribs, no Koneka sausage, no bacon. Uh, yeah, I, got, I get the greatest groan from this. Bacon. I, I, some people are so, let me tell you how they interpret Scripture. There's a Scripture where Jesus cast a, a legion of demons out of a guy in, in Gadara, and, and the legions, you know, they, they, they ran and they got in these pigs, and these pigs run off a cliff, and there's people that mourn. Man, all those pigs died? Man, <laughs> think about all the bacon lost there, you know? I mean... I, I, I'm, I'm, thank God I'm under grace so I can have a rib, <laughs> right? And you, you, you can have all the, the bacon may kill you, but it's not against the law, okay? You're under grace. It may kill you, but it's under grace. The law was given to people to frustrate them, to get them to say, I can't do this. I need, a, I need Christ. I need a Savior. It, it's a guide, and, and you can never be good enough, and so I need a Savior. This frustrated the Jewish people because they'd already made up their minds they could do it, and they couldn't. Remember, they broke the law the first day. And, and, but, you see, the purpose of the law was to be their master. So the law is to show us our need of complete dependence on God and bring us to Christ. Is the law still your master? Because if the law is still your master, you can be released from the law and married to 
Christ, who's that gracious, compassionate, teacher, loving, compassionate master that you want to be related to. Here's the second thing. Here's the second purpose. The law is a mirror. Well, what does it reflect? It reflects the moral standards of God. The law is not bad. It's good. It's given for our good. Good to know them because without knowing them, if you didn't know the laws, you, your life will end up in a downward spiral. So the law is a mirror that reflects God's standards on issues. How, how many of you know that our culture today is a culture of issues? Everybody has an issue. Everybody has a platform. You got the rights and the lefts and this and that, and the, you know you got the liberals and this and that. I mean, you got it's all over the board. You can look at the law and see how God stands on issues. For example, adultery. Is, is adultery right or wrong? Well, the culture may say one thing, but how do I know if it's right or wrong with God? Well, I see what the Scripture says. It says don't commit adultery. The law tells us God's standard, his perspective on all moral issues. The world's perspective is different. The reason, listen, the reason God is against sin is not because God is some prudish God up in heaven, but he's against sin because he loves all people. Sin hurts people. God loves people. That's why he says, don't do this and don't do that because it hurts people. James 1, verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself, goes away, immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word. This one will be blessed in what he does. In other words, you look into the word of God and you do what the word of God says, you're going to be blessed in everything you do because the word is a mirror of the moral standards of God. I'll give you another example. You can answer, is stealing right or wrong? It's wrong. Well, how do we know it's wrong? Because he said, don't steal. The law says don't steal. Romans 7, 7, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. So the law says oh, don't steal. That's a sin. The way we know the moral standards of God is through the law. The reason God feels that way about stealing is stealing hurts people. <clears throat> now listen, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. <clears throat> I don't tell you to do that very often, but there's two things in this message I want you to write down. Here's the first one. The law reflects the parameters of God's desires. The law reflects the parameters of his desires. God desires that you do not steal because stealing hurts the person who steals, it hurts the person who's stolen from, and it hurts our society, our culture, our community. So the law reflects the parameter of the boundaries of God's desire. That's, it's God's desire that people not steal and lie and commit adultery and murder and on and on. Here's the second part of that statement. The law reflects the parameters of God's desires, but it does not reflect the parameters of his love. God's love is limitless. Watch. Watch where I'm going. His love is wider than his desire. There are no boundaries. See, his law is his desires. I, I, I want you to stay right here between the lines on the road. Don't want you to get in the ditch. Don't want you to run off. Don't want you to crash. Don't want you to burn all that. And if you stay in these, you, you know, if you get off, you're going to hit a pot. You're going you're to hit a ditch. You're going to do that. But if you stay in these, okay? That's his desire, the laws. But his love is wider than that. I, I, I'll show you the best way for you to understand. If your children, if they haven't, they will. But if your children step outside of your desires, do they step outside of your love? No, unless you're sick. No. 
No, they don't. You still love them. They step outside of your desires. Okay, the woman called in adultery. They bring Jesus over. I mean, they didn't hear she committed adultery. They caught her in adultery. And the law, they say, hey, the law says stone her. And by the way, if we implemented this today, then, then you know, adultery would probably go down. Or the population, one or the other. <laughs> Only one person's got that all weekend. He's, right, he's back there in the back. Anyway. Uh, so why would God say this if he loves people? Because he's giving this, the strongest incentive he could to say, stay faithful in marriage. Because it's better. You, you, it's, it's better. It, you, even for you to be alive, to put your family through that, it, adultery hurts everybody. hurts both spouse, the children, the family, hurts the church, everybody. And so God's way to motivate you is to not to yield to that temptation. So they bring the woman, and the law says stone her. That's his desire. Do not commit adultery. The law says stone her. Jesus comes up. What do you say? Grace says the one without sin throw the first stone. The one without sin. He didn't contradict the law. He just set it in such a high standard that none of them could judge her. He's the only one that could have cast a stone. And he didn't, and they walked away because they couldn't throw a stone. He says to the woman then, where are your accusers? And they, they'd all left. And, and, and she, he said, who's condemning you? And she said, well, no one now, Lord. Then Jesus, full of grace and truth, says to her, neither do I go and sin no more. So watch. Is the world we live in a moral place? Well, not for the most part. Does the world keep the law? N not for the most part. Does God love the world? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. He hasn't changed that. He still loves the world. So watch. His love does not stop at his desire for moral standards. I am so glad that he doesn't stop his love within the boundaries of moral standards. His, law, his desire, it goes beyond that. If, listen, if we stop loving people when they stop following the moral standards, we're going to hurt people. God loves everybody, and that's hard for us to understand, but he loves everybody. If we stop loving people when they stop following the moral standards, we're going to hurt people. That, that person who has committed adultery, oh, no, we're going to isolate them. That person that, that is cohabitating, that, that person that is, is, is having an abortion, that person that's a homosexual. You, see, your love has to go beyond the boundaries of your moral standards. But listen to me, you don't give up your moral standards but you let love go wider than your moral standards because, and listen, God does that, and the only way we can do that is if we understand grace and if we know God. If I know God, I know his love, and his love is unconditional. I can't love people who get outside those moral standards with the love of God if I don't know God. When I know God... I, I can do that because the love of God is in my heart. If I'm living by the law and you got to stay within the lines and you step out, whoops, okay, you're out, I'm done with you. That's not grace. That's not God. And God wanted, wants us to be his representation on the earth, so we need to be carrying this kind of love so that we can express it and know the moral standards, not give them up, not compromise them. We stand on it, but we have a lot of God's love in us. Are, are you breathing? So, so the, the purpose of the law is to, ma is to be a master, to mirror. Number three, the law is a map. Psalms 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. 
If you want to know what to do in certain situations, you go to the map, the Word. That's the law of God. It helps me walk safely, securely, avoids pitfalls. The law is not given so we would not enjoy life, but so we could enjoy life. So if you want to know how to have a healthy marriage, a successful business, raise kids correctly, it's in the map. So listen, here's the second thing I want you to write down. And, and, and don't, don't, turn, don't change channels on me until I finish, okay? God never intended for humans to choose between right and wrong. He never intended for humans to choose between right and wrong. He created Adam and Eve. He put two trees in the garden. Most people think that there's a right tree and a wrong tree, okay? That's how we think. The second tree is the, this tree is called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or you could call the second tree the knowledge of right and wrong. So God said, if you eat from the tree of right and wrong, you will die. You die spiritually, and then you're going to die physically, and they did. You could call that tree the tree of death. But there was another tree in the garden, the first tree in the garden that he puts in. It's called the tree of life. So watch. God did not want them to choose between good and evil. He wanted them to choose between life and death. God does not want you to choose between good and evil. He wants you to choose life. That's what he wants. So there are a lot of believers who are still eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right and wrong, right and wrong, and what he wants you to do is eat from the tree of life, grace, so you understand. And, and here, here's why he wants that. It's because we are so naturally legalistic. Since the fall of man, we become legalistic. And, and, and listen, we do this to the air even in our homes sometimes. And, and don't, don't point to your spouse if they do this. It's just a, it's natural in our, in our being. God understands this. That's why grace is so difficult for us because we're so legalistic. You, someone will come in from the house and say, well, I stopped by a certain drugstore. You went to that drugstore? That's the wrong drugstore. The prices are too high. They don't take our car. That's the wrong, this is the right drugstore over here. Oh, I got the car washed over here. No, that's the wrong place to get the car washed. You're supposed to get it washed over here because I know so-and-so and so-and-so. Oh, you went to that store and bought groceries? We do not buy groceries in that store because of that. Listen, that's legalistic. That's the law. That's right and wrong, right and wrong. So we're ingrained in that in the natural. What he's saying, here's, here's the main question, is what is life and what is death? Life is the knowledge, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. No, life is the tree of life. It's grace. God didn't build us to know that. It's to walk in the grace so, so what? Here's my fourth point. Let me tie it together. The fourth is the law. The law is a measure. It helps us measure our progress. So it's a master to bring us to Christ. It's a mirror to reflect God's morals. It's a map to show us the way to go. It's a measure to show us how we're doing and progressing. So watch. Listen, the law is a measure for you. The law is a measure for you, but it is not intended for you to measure someone else by. It gets real quiet this time. The law is to measure you, but you are not to use the law to measure someone else. And here's the problem. We get to the place where we begin to judge others not only by the law of God like the Pharisees, but we also judge others by the laws we make up. Well, they look different. They act different. They worship different. They dress different. They're this, they're that. Immediately in our minds, we begin to judge them and we think they're not as spiritual as I am. 
I mean, I was raised in the Bible Belt. I was this, I was that, I was raised this and that. You know, I had one, one, one lady walk out and tell me how she, what church she was raised in. I said, well, God still loves y'all too. You know, like, I don't know why, why are you telling me that? He loves everybody, you know? If the, if the law was the best judge of spirituality, the Pharisees would have been the most spiritual people on the earth. But Jesus said in Matthew 5, 20, for I say to you, talking about the Pharisees, un that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. The righteousness of scribes and Pharisees was based on the law. Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds their righteousness, you can't even go to heaven. Jesus is saying, my righteousness exceeds their. Jesus is grace. The Pharisees represent the law. The righteousness of grace exceeds the righteousness of the law. Here's what the Pharisees did. They added 300 laws to the 640 laws. That's where we get in trouble. Why? Because we begin to judge laws by what we, we make up laws. That's where we get into legalism. That's where we're narrow-minded. If the law-keeping is the measure of spirituality, Jesus wouldn't have called them a hypocrite. He would not have looked at them and said, hey, you look like a cemetery. You got grass and flowers and dead men bones under the ground. That's what he called them. Jesus was full of grace and truth, and the law is a measure for us to see how we're doing. So watch. I'm going to wrap this up. Every weekend, someone will say to me, how are you doing? And, of course, we all get that, and we say, well, I'm doing good, great week, yada, yada, you know, all these things. And so, you know, I've been a Christian a long time, so I know how to talk like one. I can speak Christianese. <laughs> I'm actually bilingual. I speak English and Christianese. How are you? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. How are you? Oh, man, I'm doing great. The blessings of God. I'm doing you know, all this stuff. That's not what God's asking you today. Here's what God's asking you. How are you doing on the inside? How's your heart doing? What are you thinking about? What are your motives? What's really causing you to behave the way you're behaving? How, how are you doing on the inside? I, I want to wrap it up with this illustration. Th this is the simplest illustration, but to me, it's the most, it, it just puts it in such a, it makes it so simple. And, and listen, God made this stuff simple. Man made it complicated. And it's so simple because it is just simply by faith. We, we don't want it by, that's too, that's too easy. It can't be by faith. It's got to be, there's got to be a catch. It's got to be hard, right? Now, you know, picking up on my sarcasm a little bit, right? You're still breathing. Okay. Listen to this illustration. A student in a Christian university is going to be a pastor. He's taking an ethics class. Okay. They would do, they do a chapter, they take a test. Do a chapter, take a test. So it's time to take a test. So the professor says, okay, guys, you're going to take this test, and you're going to grade your own test. And the student, being real smart, thinks, oh, it's an ethics class. And so he's going to see if we'll be honest, if we'll cheat, if we'll change the answers. I mean, here we are. We can do, you know. So he gives the test. He takes the test. He finishes the test. Professor goes over the answers. They check off. He gives them the, the point system. He says, okay, now grade your test and put the number at the top of your test. So everybody puts their number, whatever they make. They write it on the paper. And then the professor says, okay, put your test papers away and let's go to the next chapter. And this student says, wait, 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 wait. What are we going to do with our test papers? He says, I, I don't care what you do with them. Let, let's look at the next chapter. Let's go. Wait, 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 wait. How, how do you know our grade? How are you going to know what our grade? I mean, how, how are you going to know how, how well we did? Don't you want us to turn in our papers? And the professor said, no, you're not understanding me. 
This test is as all tests are in life. It's not to show me how well you're doing. It's to show you how well you're doing. This test is not for my benefit. You took a test for your benefit. Now, now listen to me. I'm going to say something about the law, so don't turn me off yet. The law is a test that God does not grade for believers. Well, I, I don't know about that, Pastor. Well, let me prove it to you. Watch. According to the Bible, if you miss one on God's test, you miss them all. We read a few scriptures. We read a few weeks ago a scripture in James that the person who keeps the whole law but stumbles at one point is guilty of them all. If you miss one on God's test, you fail. Oh, on God's test, you have to have a perfect score. So God says to you, hey, I have a test for you. And on this test, if you miss one, you fail the whole thing. You, you, you fail the whole thing. And by the way, you've been taking this test since you were born, and you've already failed. Now, here's grace. Watch grace. But my son took the test, and he scored a perfect score, and you can have his grade. You can exchange papers. I'll give you his score. That's grace. That's the grace of God. I mean, it's, uh, Pastor, that's just too simple. Too easy. Uh, what, what grade do you want? You want your grade or his grade? Come on. His grade, yeah, because how many of us have failed? Yeah, all of us. If you're breathing, we've all failed. I want his. Are you a person hung up with right and wrong? Are you, are you a person that's wanting the fullness of life and grace? Have you gotten back under the law where you're trying to keep the law to please God and please people? Or do you know God and you just love God, serve God, walk with God? And, and, and are you here today and you realize, you know what, I have failed this test. I don't have that relationship. I'm trying to do all these hard things. But, but you see, you don't have to leave here without being right with God. Yeah, but pastor, I, I, I tried, I did. No, 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 no. You, you, you can become right with God through grace. And maybe this is your first time here you, or here in this series. What do you mean by that? It's a gift. Jesus died on a cross for your sins. If you'll accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you receive the free gift of salvation. Well, that's too simple. That's too easy. No, it's having childlike faith. I love all the children being baptized this way. They have such childlike faith when you teach them the word. They just receive it. We get old and mature, and, 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 and we say, oh, that's, that's too easy. It can't be that way. There has to be this hard, rigid road. There has to be the lines on the highway. Uh, that, this illustration just popped in my mind, okay, so I'm going to use it. I haven't used it anywhere else. It just popped in. You got lines on the highway, okay? The vehicle that I drive has the lane indicators that warns you, okay? <laughs> but, but it's not a beep, 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 you know? I, honestly, in my vehicle, it has two little things in the seat, so if I sway to the right, it vibrates the right side of my rear end. <laughs> if I sway to the left, it vibrates the left side of my rear end. Okay? So, so listen, listen. I have to tell this. It just come to me just now. If you're trying to live by God, by your rear end being vibrated <laughs> and trying to stay between the lines, you're not going to make it. You're going to become so frustrated and so worn out 
Why? Because you can't enjoy traveling. You can't enjoy where you're going Why you, when you're supposed to get. You won't even know because you're so focused on staying between the lines. You're not enjoying the journey. You're not enjoying, the dest you're not enjoying what you're seeing and enjoying life. Why? Because the fullness of life that he gives us is through grace. Are you getting it? So I, I want to close differently. If you realize, man, I, I don't know Jesus. If you realize, man, I'm, I'm, I'm a slave to the law. I got to stay. My, my rear end's sore, you know. <laughs> I, 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 I'm trying to stay in line. I'm trying to get it right, get it right. Give by the list, the list, the list. You don't know him personally. Here's what I want you to do. I'm, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I don't want you to pray this prayer out loud. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. I want you to pray this in your heart, in your mind. If this is you, you know if it's you. You may not know Christ. You may not know that loving, compassionate teacher. Or you may be trying, you've been living by the law and you're just tired and worn out. I'm telling you, today is the day. This has been happening in every service. I'm going to lead you in this prayer. Please don't pray it out loud. Pray it in your heart. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. And I receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me today. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me your score. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, look at me. If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to challenge you to do one more thing. This is the challenge that I've issued in every service. In a moment, a pastor is going to come and close the service. In a moment, leaders in our church will come to the front. They're here to pray for you. If you pray that prayer in your heart and you know it was you, here's my challenge. When we dismiss, we plan it this way. When we dismiss, I want you to come to a leader. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to come to them and say, I prayed that prayer. Here's why. Because the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you've just prayed a prayer in your heart. You're going to come to a leader and say, you know what? I just prayed that prayer, and that leader is going to pray for you. That's all they're going to do. They're just going to pray for you. Two or three weeks, weekends ago, a lady came to me. One of the leaders told this lady. She came to Christ first time in the commons leading. Never seen her before. She walks up to me. I see tears in her eyes. She takes my hand, and she says, Pastor, today I received Jesus as my Savior. She confessed it. Let me, let me tell you what that does. That puts your faith in a very solid bracket because it's one thing to pray it here, but it's another thing to express it here. When you do that, you've just solidified some strong faith in your inner being. So the enemy or the law, either one, can't come back to you and say, oh, no, that's just an emotion. Oh, no, that's just a feeling. Oh, no, that, this. No, 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 no. Why? Because you prayed that prayer in faith and you confessed it to someone else. Guess what? <laughs> You've got a loving, compassionate teacher and he's kneeling down beside your desk right now encouraging you to become strong and to live a life of grace. Anything else we can pray for you for about? We want to do that also. Holy Spirit, I pray that you draw all people that you're speaking to in this message, that you will draw them to Christ 
and you will give them the courage and the faith to speak it out to someone and receive prayer in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you.